Okay, so it says, here we go. It's recording. Just stand by, but that's, that's normal. Okay, good. All right, so we are in our fourth session um, of a series called Stilling Our Hearts for Intimacy with God. And uh, this is a, uh, what I would consider a module of Intimacy with God, which was kicked off back in September. And, um, of course, the kernel verse that we're springboarding off of uh, is Psalm 1, excuse me, Psalm 46, verse 10a, which is, Be still and know that I am God. And, of course, the, the word still means to stop or to cease um, what I would call unnecessary striving, because the Bible speaks of certain kinds of striving, which is good, striving after godliness and those kinds of things. But the unnecessary striving um, uh, relates to uh, certain kinds of what we call noise um, or unstillness in our soul. And um, in the heart realm, those disturbances are driven by thoughts and beliefs. And to be more specific, those disturbances are driven by our thoughts and our beliefs, with obviously emphasis on the word our. God says, my thoughts are not what? Your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So when I use the word our, I'm talking about our thoughts and our beliefs. And that's where the unstillness and this unsettledness begins in our soul, begins with thoughts and beliefs. And, uh, and I shared also during the introduction that we are the captains, listen, we are the captains of this noise in our soul. What I mean by that is we captain our thoughts. We captain those beliefs. And so uh, the good news is that it's predictable and it's preventable. We wouldn't be studying this if there was no hope in overcoming, you know, any kind of unsettledness in our soul. I mean, we're, we're, we're studying this together, moving through this together, because uh, we can owe unsettledness in our soul to whatever degree we have it. So, um, in the past sessions, um, recognizing the noise in our soul, part one and part two. So, we we, we accomplished three things in those two parts. First was we identified the major sources of this noise in our soul, and we had a list of those. And I'm not going to go through that entire list, but it included anxiety, worry, anger, lust, those kinds of things. Uh, the second thing is that we, we understood that there were two primary dangers that resulted from this unsettledness, that resulted from this noise. The one was physical degradation of our bodies, uh, and we, we, we mentioned several of those physical problems uh, that deal with illness and overload and gastrointestinal and the auto, autonomic nervous system, those kinds of things. And then the second was uh, spiritual degradation, in essence, really being distracted from um, God, being distracted from the truth, being distracted from um, reality. And uh, so... Hear the question today in the world today, you know, my reality is my reality, your reality is your reality. Well, the truth is, as far as God is concerned, His truth is reality. Anything outside of truth is 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 fantasy. It's it's imagination. 
which in essence, you know, oftentimes drives uh, this unsettledness in our soul. And then the third thing we recognized in those, uh, uh, recognizing the noise in our soul, the third thing was that we identified God's cure for this unsettledness in our soul, began in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 30. And, and we sort of interpreted that to mean Jesus saying, come to me and be like me. Come to me and be like me. And him, of course, imbibed in utter humility. Uh, we did hand out uh, the books, uh, Humility by Andrew Murray. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Oh, last week, okay. And uh, th- th- that book, this book, is just an outstanding ancillary uh, um, us as we go through it's, it's it's absolutely outstanding in fact there's uh, um, there's something I want to read um, from chapter one out of this book this is chapter one uh, page one at the very bottom uh, we read humility the place of entire dependence on God is from the very nature of things the first duty and the highest virtue of the creature, meaning man, and the root of every virtue. And he goes on in page 3 to speak more, obviously, about this. He says, Humility is not so much a grace or virtue along with others. It is the root of all, because it alone takes the right attitude before God and allows Him as God to do it all. And this verse here, not, excuse me, it's not a verse, it's a, a sentence here. The following paragraph is, um, is just remarkable. I'm going to read this a couple times because you have to get this. God has so constituted us as reasonable beings that the truer the insight into the real nature or the absolute need of a command, the readier and fuller will be our obedience to it. Yeah, I'll just I'll read that to you again. Um, God has so constituted us as reasonable beings that the truer the insight into the real nature or the absolute need of a command, real nature meaning the divine nature, okay, and... The absolute need of a command, obedience, obviously, to the command of God, the readier and fuller will be our obedience. That is, uh, that is really um, uh, quite a, an expression, an exposition of um, a humble heart um, wanting to conform to the pattern of godliness. That's, that, that's a wonderful exposition of really what that intention is there, conforming to the image of God. Think about that. Man was created by God, perfectly created by God. There was no flaw. He didn't forget. Like we, he was perfectly created by God. Then man fell, marred. God was marred by sin. And we, as genuine believers in Jesus, are now saved marring, and are being Christ. Um, and so, it's a it's a remarkable thing. Um, if you haven't begun your reading in the book Humility, uh, I want to encourage you to start. It is a um, it, it is the kind of book that's not novelish. Uh, it's not the kind of book that you can take one page and just vroom right through it and go to the next page. 
it's the kind of book that read a sentence, not everyone, but you're going to run across sentences that are thick, that are, that are broad, that are rich, and uh, require sometimes maybe reading it a time or two. Good news is that the chapters in the book are not long. So it's not like arduous. It's not like, oh, I got 25 pages to this chapter. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I, get, I get bogged down. Sometimes, admittedly, I'll, I'll take a look at the book, I'll look at the chapter, and I'll, I'll, I'll leaf through the chapter to see how many pages it is. Because I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to start this and kind of thing. But it's, it's short chapters and just powerful, powerful. Um, so I can encourage you to do that. And then, of course, uh, the second thing, so we recognize the noise in our soul, and then we recognize the source of the noise in our soul. Three things there. We define the concept of truth and unbelief. Uh, Secondly, the source of the noise we identified as unbelief. That's the source of the noise. So we recognizing that there is noise in our soul, recognizing that the source of the noise comes from unbelief. And um, we also understand that clinging to the word... Right? The word meaning what? Two things. Christ and God's word. Christ and scripture, right? One and the same. The word. Clinging to the word no matter what is happening around us. Those are the three things. Um, So recognizing the source. So um, today we're going to begin part one of of two parts in unmasking um, unbelief. So we're we're really going to dig down and try to figure out and unmask mask this unbelief. This is, uh, um, I, I, this is not uh, a, a graphical picture of my 401k performance over the last seven years. Yes. Ah, okay. What it is, is um, kind of where we're going. So, you know, the first three sessions we talked about recognizing, okay? Um, right now we're right here, and we're going to go down. So I want you to picture this. We're going to try to unmask this unbelief uh, because as we begin to unmask this unbelief, it's going to help us do what? It's going to help us get out. Okay? And so we got two parts here of going down, unmasking this unbelief. I don't know how many sessions we're going to take um, to get out, but I do know that we'll have at least eight. Um, and part of this has to do within the outline of the foundation. And a lot of this has to do with um, taking a look at God and his nature. And when I talk about God, I'm talking about um, his communicable attributes. These are attributes that are more personal to us. We just we, we don't have the time to spend on you know, his transcendent attributes and his communicable attributes, we'd, we'd be here for a long, long, long time. So we're going to spend a lot of time on that relative to these six here. Um, these two here are um, uh, hopefully some guest speakers. Uh, I mentioned uh, Brianne, and she said she was open to it. She's going to come in and talk a little bit about the, um, the physical connection with this unstillness in our soul. And uh, I, I talked briefly with Matt um, souls uh, about uh, and probably forgot so Connie don't say oh I hear you're going to talk he's like I don't remember that so that was a while ago but he did say he was open talking to us and if you know Matt he's um, he's an expert in fitness I'll just put it that way and I think he can help all of us really because if you think about um, 
if you think about a structure, okay, uh, two four by four posts, okay, and you're gonna you know put two um, layers of uh, we'll call it um, ceiling or flooring or something like that as you're building a house, the first layer and most important layer is the mind, okay, and then that has to be keen, it has to be taught, it has to be strong, and the layer another layer that kind of lays on top of it. Uh, this is just an illust- for illustration purposes, is the body, okay? So you've got the mind and the body. The mind is more important than the body. just is. Guess what? I think, I think everyone in here is over 50 years old. Deborah is probably the youngest. She's 50, okay? So, yeah. And, and listen, we've all experienced uh, the failure of our bodies to some degree, okay? So, so the mind is more important than the body. Right, but but the body, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and 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 it is important to keep conditioned. And I'm convinced through my own reading personally, and through my own experience, that keeping your body in shape to the degree that you can helps you spiritually. And it's a discipline, it really is. It's a discipline. Um, so, uh, so these two speakers and the question here is incumbent upon your ranking of uh, that list that I gave you. There's two things that you had this morning. The first is the handout. As you follow along, you can fill in the words of the study. The second is I'm asking each of you, if you could do that today before you leave, I really appreciate that. I'll, we'll finish before um, our time. And, and it may be difficult, but give it your best shot. I want you to rank them. One being the most important, in other words, the one that you really think um, you have the, we'll just say, the most struggle with, the most problem. I don't want your names on this. I'm not looking to, you know, inquire of anyone's personal life or anything like that, but I want you to rank those and just come up here, put them on the table, and just walk away, and I will take those and just try to rank them, and uh, we just don't have time to go through all of them, but, uh, but but the, I'll just say the most popular, if you will, um, we're probably going to go through one or two of those to really dig in scripturally to figure out how to get out as it relates to anxiety. Maybe that's one through ten. One meaning the, the one that you'd really like to handle scripturally. Uh, and then what I'll probably end up doing is either taking one or two of those and we'll dig into those scripturally and, and practically how do we get out of that. Okay? So that's the out. And then... What do we do moving forward, moving ahead? And um, I'll, um, I'm going to talk with uh, Dave Torres about that because there are some disciplines in here um, that um, maybe that would be a good time to tag team with him, Dolph, um, figuring, uh, figuring that out and teaching that. As far as moving forward, how do we stay always continually? So hopefully that makes sense. So today, tracking the way down, unmasking unbelief, so, last week, um, if you'll open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, we, we looked at this a little bit last week, and there is a, uh, a disorder. And, and although this passage of Scripture is speaking about the world, specifically about the unbelieving world, it, it does have direct correlation to our flesh, our nature, our sinful nature that resides in every single one of us. Even as a believer in Jesus Christ, we have that sinful nature that is warring, warring against the Spirit. 
um, that we have to deal with every single day. So it does correlate to us. So uh, in verses 21 and 25 specifically, we read, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 25, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And, and that word futile means worthless. It means completely worthless and purposeless. Um, so so that, that's important for us to understand because in our sinful nature, we, we, we have this bent towards uh, these kinds of things. And, uh, of course, the world exchanges the truth of God for a lie. So the great disorder of our natural heart is unbelief. That would be the first blank there, unbelief. Accepting the reasonings of the world over what? The revelation of God. So that is the great disorder. Very simple. It's a great disorder that, that every human being has, and it's, the, it's a disorder that even as a believer we struggle with um, continually, or from time to time, I should say. So unbelief is exchanging reality that is God's truth, for a fantasy, for imaginations, for lies. Then, verse 25, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Uh, so, when, when you have conversations with people, and you know, this whole idea of reality comes up, you know, Caesar, you know, remember the question he asked Jesus in such a sarcastic way? What is truth? What is reality? Reality is God's truth. Anything apart from truth. Anything apart from what God says is true is, is a mere fantasy. It's imagination. There was a book that my wife read, and it's called Shattered Dreams. It's by Larry Crabb. As, I don't know if anybody's read that book. My wife has. She said, this is an outstanding book. She gave it to me, and I read it. It's, it's an outstanding book. And Shattered Dreams, you know, your impression might be, well, you know, it's like... Uh, you know, oh, you poor thing, you know, shattered dreams. That's not what the book is, is about. It's about God shattering dreams, and so read into that, trials, by trials. God shatters dreams by trials so that you can have a truer theology about God, not some imagination of who you think. And, uh, and he goes into trials people have, trials um, adjust us, okay? Not, we talked about this, not about the why, not about the when, not about the where, not about the how, but about the who God is. And we talked a little bit about Job. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful book. I certainly would recommend, if you don't have it, um, put that as part of your, your library. Um, so we all, have, um, we, we all have problems, right? We all have things that we're, we're working through. Every single one of us. There's one sitting here today that doesn't have problems. So uh, sometimes we look at these problems and say, you know, you know, why am I going through these? I mean, well, what about him? And you think of uh, John as an example in John chapter um, 21, I think it is, um, where Jesus uh, explained to Peter how he was going to die. He told him a little bit about his future. Uh, and, and Peter... I don't, Peter is Peter. Um, he turned to Jesus, and what did he do? 
What did? What was his re- reaction? No way. No way. Okay. Yeah. Hey, what a. What? He's like, what? I gotta, I gotta go through something like this. What about him? And I, I believe he was, uh, he was, he, he was pointing to the author of the book. I believe he's pointing to the author of the book, John. Said, well, what about him? And Jesus said, what did Jesus tell him? Okay, that's a good interpretation. Don't, don't worry about him. He said, what is that to you? He said two words. What is that to you? That's not two words. What I'm getting at is he just said, follow me. Not about what's going to happen. It's not about the trial we're going through. It's not about the other person. Well, what about them? Why aren't they? Why ain't I? Those kinds of things. It's not about any of that. Guess what? God has this path carved out for you for a specific reason. It is to glorify Him and it is to conform you to His image. And and for whatever divine perfect reason by God, it's 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 been settled and we we need to rest in that and um, and continue in the truth. Continue in that reality. It's I, I would I would say it's there's an infinite difference in that. Good. Very very good. So here's how it works. Um, turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Okay, here we go. This is how this is how our thoughts, man's thoughts, coincide with God's. Okay, Are we ready? This is, how, this is how it works. Isaiah chapter 55, and we'll begin reading verse six. Actually, can somebody read verse 6 through, let's say, 13? A little long, that's okay. Yes, this is, uh, as Cheryl said, there's an infinite difference between man's thoughts. Okay. We read in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. On to talk about God's ways, man's ways, God's thoughts goes through this, this, this perfectly, uh, divinely uh, superior plan God has. And in verse 12, For you will go out with joy. Give way. Give way to God's thoughts and His ways. You will have joy and what? And be led forth with what? Soul. And so this is it. This is the way that God has established reality. It is His way. They are His thoughts. Ours are not that way. We have to really, we, we have to get under that from, a, from, a, from a, a character perspective. We have to get underneath that, humble ourselves, take that in, and, and really recognize that. So our unbelief begins with, uh, begins with questions. That's how things begin to happen. Questions like, is it really true? Really true? I know he said that, but is it really true? Does he really care about me? I know, I know, I've read this, he loves me, but I'm going through and I don't feel like he cares for me. I've been there. I've been there. Will he really do what he says he'll do? Will he really do that? You know what? I've been in this sin for a long time and it doesn't seem like he's disciplining me. In sin, excuse me, is sin really as bad as he says it is? Is it, is it really that bad? He says, my heart is desperately wicked. Come on. Is it, is it really that way? 
by talking to someone who really n- no no connection to God or Jesus, God and Jesus. It just there's a uh, you start you start bringing those truths to them, and there will be a dark and light separation. There'll, there'll, there'll be something happening very quickly in that person's soul and in their minds. Find out real quick where they stand. It's true. Uh, is intimacy or holiness as important as he says it is? Questions that come up in our minds. Will I really reap what I sow? Really? Will, will I reap? And let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. This is not new. This is not new. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Somebody read those when they say. Um, this, this is the very first command that God gave mankind. very first command, Adam. And if you turn to the very next chapter, 3, verse 1. Who will read chapter 3, verse 1? What, what happened there? Yeah, God gave a command to Adam. And uh, what what is this? What is verse 1? Grammatically, what is it? Question, right? Question. So what is the question? What is the question calling into question? Raising doubt as to the character of God. It's raising doubt as to the authority of God. It's raising, it's questioning God's command. So, I mean, indeed, has God said? I mean, this is, this is from the beginning. So when we begin to question God in our hearts. This, this is this is this is in our nature to do this, our sinful nature to do. This. So I bring this up because you know I want all of us to understand, you know, this battle. This is not you know this is a battle. This is something that we have to recognize that is resonant in us if we give it life or death or however we want to look at it. We want to give this over. Uh, if, if, if we want to give ourselves over to questioning, I mean, it's there. It's ready. It's crouching at the door. It's wanting to take more and more of our thoughts and our beliefs, taking it into fantasy, into imagination rather than God's truth. So we really need to be very, very careful about this and recognize um, this, this, this internal problem that we have and, 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 and really be... Very careful about that. Be steadfast about watching. We uh, we also have, um, if you haven't picked it up, Stabling Truths for Our Soul, Part A. And this is really just um, a couple of pages of verses. And um, one of the th- one of the reasons why I you know, produce this is because we have these questions and we have these concerns that kind of pop into our minds. You know, number one, we need to be talking to ourselves. When I say talking to ourselves, we're not talking to ourselves about our own thoughts. We need to be talking ourselves to ourselves about God's thoughts, about His ways. So, so when we when we are struggling with uh, the issue of having our needs met, I'm talking about genuine needs too. We live, we we're United States citizens. We are the wealthiest people in the world, not just now, but frankly. Ever on the face of this earth, so our reality is, uh, and I'm not trying to condemn us because we live in this. I mean, it, it can be a blessing to some degree, but um, it is, uh, you know. So we have to be 
understanding that we're talking about genuine needs here. It's not like you need a BMW. Not to say that that's bad, but do we need a BMW versus a, a, a Dodge or a Chrysler? I don't know. And I'm not here to say you do or you don't. Um, but, but be still my soul. We need to be preaching to ourselves. God will always meet my needs. And there are some passages of Scripture that relate to that, Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So the point of this is um, to read through this, to muse through it, to, um, to memorize passages of Scripture so that when we get into situations and we're either confused or we're concerned or we're agitated or anxious about our needs being met, we can say to ourselves with confidence that our soul, please be still, my soul. God promises that he will all of my needs. Boom. You have that scripture, you know, Philippians. Or you can have this with you. That's really the point of this. You know, be still, my soul, because God will always forgive and cleanse me. That guilt rages in us for something that we just, for some reason, we can't overcome. And we're really concerned about it. Sometimes, you know, there's hope in some degree. Go to this and say, be still my soul. God will always, always. And the key word in every single one of these is us. They don't stand on my understanding. They don't stand on my own ways. They stand on God's promises. Um, God will always love me personally. There's just, uh, and this is just the first one. There's another one that I'm in the process of creating too. So, okay. And, and, And so secondly, Rejecting anything true about God is, is plain and simple. Rejecting any truth about God is unbelief. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thought about this. I'm, I struggled with this a little bit as well. Um, because maybe, maybe this group, maybe you individually, maybe our church as a whole, I don't know, um, it doesn't really struggle with this, this, this arrogant um, disregard for God's word. Well, you know what? I don't. I don't totally disregard it. So I'm that kind of thing. What I think is um, a similar culprit is forgetting. I think forgetting for some of us may be more of a problem than 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 just complete disregard for the truth of God's word. And of course, forgetfulness is is it just happens to be a consequence of the fall. So so there, there's that part of that as well in there and, and we need to be mindful of that. Well, so how do we counteract that? Well, we spend time in God's Word. We spend time meditating. We spend time memorizing. God tells us, you know, to hide what? Hide His Word where? Why? Why? Yeah. Okay, so there, there are clear commands and exhortations from God's Word for us to do things, you know, and, uh, and and to memorize. So, yeah. yes. So an ignorance. And there's an ignorance of uh, it's ignorance an innocence. Of yes. So I, 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 yeah. So so that's outstanding. I didn't even think about that. That's really good. So if you look in Proverbs, there's like three kinds of people. You know, in, in terms of you have like the simple, right? Those are people who what what. Well, how would you define simple? Not a trick question. <laughs> okay. Naive, right? And 
maybe, okay, naive, maybe in a genuine sense, right? right? Or, or naive in a purposeful sense, too, by just not spending any time, right, in God's Word, right? Self-included hality today, but something I don't relax. You know, I did the truth yes. in some of right. I don't know yeah, God. Right. Very good. That's a great point, Mark. Um, and so, you know, getting back to the discussion and to, you know, the simple-minded person, there's a, um, so there's, there's somewhat of maybe an inner, um, a, a learned ignorance, okay, ignoring, say, the fool, okay, which is kind of the, the, the next worst, if you will, then you have the scoffer, okay, who outwardly scoffs at it. So, uh, yeah, that's a great, great point. I wanted to take a look at a few examples of sin showing up in the lives of people. And here's what's so interesting. I'm not going to give you the punchline here. But God doesn't rebuke the emotion. I want you to tell me what he rebukes here. Okay, so go to Numbers chapter 20. This is... Again, this is really interesting what God is teaching us here. Numbers chapter 20 and uh, verses 1 through 13. I'm just going to begin reading real quick, okay? Uh, So uh, pay attention to what God rebukes, okay? Then the sons of Israel, the whole congregation, came to the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed at Kadesh. Now Miram died there and was buried there. There was, there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. People thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why then have you brought the Lord's assembly into this wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us into this wretched place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor... Uh, is uh, their water to drink. When Moses and Aaron came in from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces, uh, then they did that. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock, speak to the rock before their eyes, that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. He's a little upset. We shall bring forth water for you out of this rock. Or excuse me. Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water uh, for you from, from this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock. He didn't speak to it. He struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came forth abundantly in the congregation and there be strength. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me, to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, before, uh, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Let me ask you this. Moses was what? What was his emotion? He was angry. He was angry. Right? There it is. Did he have a little noise in his soul? Absolutely. What was he rebuked for? For getting angry? What was he rebuked for? His unbelief. Okay? There. So you have here in Numbers chapter uh, 20, verses 1 through 12, um, the root of anger is unbelief. Okay? In Mark chapter 4, 
Mark chapter 4, verse 40. Somebody read that. I mean, we could, we could actually go on before. Um, here you have, uh, there's a, you know, they were on the, the, the lake. There was a fierce wind. The disciples, Jesus himself was asleep uh, in the boat with the disciples. And the disciples woke him up and they were just filled with what? Fear, right? Just incredible fear. And in verse 40, what do we read? Okay, so the root of anxiety and fear is unbelief. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, we read, let's read 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So this root of despair... Is so, getting back here, scripturally speaking, to this this uh, this instability, this unstableness, uh, this noise in our soul. The root of the problem is not the emotion that comes forth. Okay, it is unbelief. It's unbelief. So, the lie or the fantasy uh, or this great disorder is that God, God's not doing enough for me. Right. This this is what sometimes our heart says. God Himself is not enough for me. I need something more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Amen. I don't know if else has anything to say, but very first day we started, I asked the question, "What is what is the Godfather of 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 us? Pride, and this whole idea of and of course is what we're what we're getting at here is really to humble ourselves under the authority. This book, humility, again, is a good ancillary to that. It's a wonderful book to read. So. Um, we, we, we get there, that is, you know, get to these fantasies, these imaginations, these, this, in essence, noise in our soul um, um, by interpreting what we know about God from our experience. That's a, a missing blank there, an answer to the missing blank. So we get there by interpreting what we know about God from our experience instead of interpreting our experiences in light of what is true about God from the Scriptures. And, of course, we talked briefly about this the last time with Job. I mean, Job is the epitome of understanding, you know, Job thirteen fifteen. Though he slay me, finish it. Yet will I trust in him. Slay me. So we all have problems. Every one of us has problems. We're going to have problems till the, until the day we go to meet Jesus. Problems and struggle with those. But, but God has given us um, a prescription for that, uh, that for its, it's recognizing who we are, our nature, continually putting ourselves under the hearing, that is the memorization, the musing of Scripture, speaking to ourselves with that, uh, so that our thoughts are, every thought is taken captive to the mind of Christ. So if we reject what God says is true, all we can do is live in a fantasy world made up of our own imagination, because the world in which we are choosing to believe doesn't exist doesn't exist. I remember, you know, when homeschooled our kids, um, some people, not just a handful of people I talked to, one of the first things uh, they said, and by the way, I'm not just saying homeschooling, but really homeschooled our kids to 
mature them with the Word of God and uh, those things associated with that. So the learning component was Scripture continually. And uh, people would, you know, we really didn't know anything about what we were trying to do, raise our kids according to God's Word, admonition of the Lord. Would, would kind of ask this question and say, you know, isolated, you know, they're, they're not going to be right, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And I never said this, but my thought was, they're re- they live in reality. You don't, as an unbeliever. They don't live in God's reality. They- so, a world where God does not love, listen, a world where God does not love doesn't exist. Not exist. First John 4, 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That world doesn't exist. Somebody says, ah, God doesn't love. That doesn't exist. A world where God does not or is not in control of all things for our good uh, and His glory does not exist. Hebrews 1.3 He, that is Christ, upholds all things by the word of His power. Colossians 1.17 He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Those are remarkable verses. If, if you just begin to muse those for a little while, God holds every molecule in place. It is perfectly ordered by Him. That's remarkable. It's remarkable. A world where God is not, uh, is not with me or does not hear my cry does not exist. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. Read through that um, verse before. A, a world where God is heavy-handed and mean-spirited, that doesn't exist. That does not exist. Somebody who believes that is not living in God's reality. It's not living in truth. So to live in a fantasy world hastens, hastens unsettledness or instability in our souls. James 1.8. Um, a double... Yeah. 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 And that, yes. Because I thought Yes. You know what I mean? That's good. Good clarification. Um, so this is the essence of unbelief. Uh, but, you know, it talked about going down here. So you have unbelief... Um, uh, going down, uh, let's see, you know, unbelief. So we're, we're headed down here. So we have uh, this unbelief and, and really what, what, what comes after this unbelief? What, what is the, unbelief is the kernel of the problem. And then you have, you have what follows, um, which is um, this, uh, discontentedness, okay? So the essence of unbelief, it doesn't end there. It, it, it goes to, you know, this discontentedness, okay, which actually, or uh, despair. So these telltale signs, you know, when you talk about the definition of discontentedness, um, uh, the word there, the dissatisfaction of not having what we've decided that we need. That's That's this whole idea of being discontent. Unbelief, you know, kind of, is a catalyst for this discontentedness that leads to despair. And the telltale signs of discontentment, uh, and I call these the if-only clauses, although not everyone begins with if-only. So, telltale signs. If only I had what I need, right? These are are, uh, sort of phrases that uh, are clues into... You know, this disquietedness that begins in our souls and that continues. If only I had what I need. Uh, I should be or I should have that. Okay? Uh, I don't like. So those are, 
just three examples of um, this uh, uh, this sign, this telltale sign of, of having discontentment. Um, so Pilgrim's Progress, this is a, I don't know, I, I think I might have asked how many people read this book, um, but Pilgrim is, uh, is on a journey, and uh, he is, uh, he's traveling with uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Hopeful, and uh, he's on the path, he's on the way, okay, and the way, this path is, is not necessarily soft, you know, and flat, and, you know, beautiful weather kind of thing. Oftentimes, the way is, uh, is troublesome, it's, it's difficult, it's problematic sometimes, so he and Hopeful uh, noticed right alongside of the path this beautiful green meadow, soft and alluring, and uh, it was easier on the feet. It was easier on the joints, okay? And, uh, and uh, they, they, they got off the path because of the beauty, because of the grass being greener on the other side, and they came to the style. Uh, and uh, I use the word style. This is the old version. Styles basically means a fan. And uh, came to the style and crossed over into this estate. And it was a big, large estate. And the estate, the estate happened to be the residence of a giant. Do you remember what the name of the giant? Doubt uh, and despair, yeah, was in there. Uh, and um, they, uh, they were beaten. They were down deep in this dungeon of doubt and despair and um, and uh, I, I won't read a ton now a little before it was day good Christian as one half amazed break out in this passionate speech what a fool he said am I thus to lie in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk at liberty I have a key in my bosom called promise that will I that will, I am persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then said Hopeful, that's good news, good brother. Pluck it out and have thy bosom, uh, pluck it out of thy bosom and try. Took God's key, which is put it in the gate, locked in. So just from an illustrative perspective, we get caught up in this unstillness and the word of God always. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, anybody here that um, there aren't um, well and good medicines, you know, those kinds of things, if you have physical issues and those kinds of things that are not good and helpful for us. Uh, I'm talking about the soul here. So um, there is, there is a, a, a very, very good correlation in Numbers chapters 11 through 16 uh, that represent this spiraling of discontentment. Numbers chapter 11 through 16. We don't have time to go there. Go there, but just read through those 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 six verse or six chapters, and and you're going to find um, uh, that the nation of Israel beginning to be discontented, and, and they and they in essence say, if if only life were easier, okay, and and they also say if only I had different food. And, and then thirdly, again, this is a spiral down. We're going down here. If only we were in a different place. I want you to think about that. Their salvation was God bringing them out of what? Bringing them out of Egypt. It was their salvation, okay? And now they're, they're so discontented that they want to go back. 
want to go back. That's, that's you know, correlating to a believer. They want to go back to the world. They're so discontented. And then, and then the worst, we even read that you know, today, uh, if only we could die. That is absolute despair and hopeless. So that is, this, that is what happens with unbelief. You have this di- discontentedness that really just spirals down to ultimately to despair and to hopelessness. And that comes, that, that track can go with, with, with any kind of restlessness or noise, anger, bitterness, uh, those kinds of things. So in conclusion, we really need to learn to look for the telltale roots of unbelief and discontent when we see the fruit of guilt, uh, anger, despair, those kinds of things. So, you know, moving forward, you know, homework for next week. Um, if you haven't started on humility, I would encourage you to do that. Um, begin reading there. Um, just begin musing over the verses um, that uh, you have in part A. And then, uh, you know, if, if you'd like to do this, it, it probably, I, it'll be a good exercise. I commit to doing it. I've done it. I started it already. Uh, begin to track your um, if-onlys, you know. Just, just write them out. If only, whatever. If only, or your I shoulds. Right, okay, right. Yeah, if only I didn't have to shovel, right, or, or snow blow. Right, so track those. Track your if only, if only track your I shoulds, track your I don'ts. And, and that will bring you to uh, some, uh, some sources, if you will, of, of noise. Okay. Um, Mark, can I ask you to uh, close us with a word of prayer? Yes. Oh. Oh, we have a discrepancy on the numbers. Number one is the least crowded. Yeah, number one in rank. So, in other words, let's say let's say bitterness is like really what I'm really struggling with. Each one, you're ranking one to ten. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, that's the way I originally did it. That way, I must have understood this.